0: If you would turn with me this morning, I'm going to speaking out of the book of Acts, chapter twenty-seven. I'll kind of we'll start with verse thirteen. I'm going to read two little sections out of that, but I kind of want to paint the picture up to this point. Paul's in a storm. Um, He's traveling. He's traveling to Rome, and uh, yeah. So we'll start with verse thirteen. When a gentle south wind, I'm reading out of NIV. When a gentle south wind began to blow, they thought they obtained what they wanted, so they weighed anchor and sailed along the shore of Crete. So I just want you to hear the shore of Crete That's what I want to point out. Before very long, a wind, a hurricane forced called the Northeastern, swept down from the island. The ship was caught by the storm and could not heed the wind, so we gave way to it. And we're driven along. Now, if you'll go down to verse 31. Then Paul said to the centurion and the soldiers, unless these men stay with the ship, you cannot be saved. So the soldiers cut the ropes that held the lifeboat and let it fall away. Just before dawn, Paul urged them all to eat. For the last 14 days, he says, this is Paul speaking, you have been in constant suspense and have gone without food. You had not eaten anything. Verse 34. Now I urge you to take some food. You need to survive. Not one of you will lose a single hair from your head. After he said this, he took up some bread and gave thanks to God in front of them all. Then he broke it and began to eat. They were all encouraged and ate some food themselves. Altogether, there were 276 of us on board. Altogether, there... Oh, wait. Wait. My bad. And they had eaten as much as they wanted. they lightened the ship, throwing the grain into the sea. If you'll pray with me this morning over over the message. Lord, we thank you for today. God, we give you praise in advance, God. I I know that there's something to be said. God, this has went through me and checked in my spirit, God. I just pray that you would open people's hearts to be able to receive what it is that we're talking about, Lord. I give you all the praise, God, and I can't do anything without you. In the name of Jesus, amen. Thank you, Tony. I think it's odd that most statistics of car accidents happen within 2 to 3 miles of the home. You don't really hear about it happening 20 30 miles down the road, but it, it, it does occur, but for the for the most part, a lot of accidents happen very close to home. Um, it's like getting stuck out on a lake, okay? And then forgetting how to swim. The title of my message this morning is drowning in the shallows. And it's something that God's really been talking to me about and dealing with me in my own life and kind of my walk and where I am and so it's drowning in the shallows is like getting stuck out on a lake and having to swim, right? You make it all the way to the shore, and then when you get there, you drown in shallow water a few feet. I was a lifeguard in high school, and uh, probably early 20s, and I sit in the deep end and guard that all day long. I hated guarding the kiddie pool. You think, like, well, it's this ain't that much water. Well, it's little kids. Like, you know, some a little kid gets in trouble, parents tend to not forgive you as much as they would a grown adult forgets how to swim in a deep end. And believe it or not, it does happen. Um, I had several water saves, just older people that just get out in the middle of the deep end and forget how to swim, which is still a mystery to me, but different strokes for different folks, I guess. So the kiddie pool is in the shallow water where I actually hated being there. I don't know if you know this or not, but it takes less than a half a cup of water in your lungs in order for you to drown. That's not very much. They taught us that, and a matter of fact, I remember in lifeguarding class that they said that you could actually drown off a teaspoon of water if it hits you right in your lungs, Um, which is kind of shocking. So it's a ridiculous statement to say that you can drown in shallow water. Wouldn't you think? I'm a grown man. I ain't going to drown in shallow water. I think that when I go to the beach and you hear all these stories of the rip current and all this and that, and I'm like... (laughs) I'm ankle-deep water. I'll be all right. But there are people that that, that it takes. So what makes it more ridiculous than anything is to have the notion that you would drown in the shallows after you have survived the deep, after you've been in the deep water, after you've treaded water. That's the hard part of it. The shallows should be the easy part. If you really think about it, it's not so much individual, but the Bible reflects it as well. Look at Israel, for example. They crossed through the Red Sea. And I used to be really hard on Israel. And I share this all the time because I remember God just being like, now, God talks to me pretty bluntly. I don't know if he talks to you guys bluntly, but he talks to me super bluntly. And so Israel crosses the Red Sea on dry ground, mind you. Get to the other side, and what do they do? They build a false idol. They just forgot that they just seen the miracle of God and just walked through this deep water and forgot. And God reminded me, you do the same thing. God will bless you with something. And then the next week I'm whining about something else I want that God's not provided for me. Um, so if you have been in real deep, you have made it when it's hard. And so deep and so far away from the shore appear your victory. They seem like they're so far away from your, your grass. they so far to be able to obtain them. Yet when we get close to victory is when we get close to the shore. And when you're close to your victory, let me tell you, That's when the devil wants to knock you down the most because you have made that journey through the tough times in your life to get ready to come out to what God has for you and he wants nothing more than to take it. I've said for years, I honestly believe that the devil wants to attack, which he wants to attack us all, but senior citizens because they got these people that have run and lived their life for God And nothing would be greater for the devil than them to quit at an age. Not only does it reflect you, but it reflects those that, you know, your witness. Um, But you've made it so far to the shore and you're so close to your victory, but you wind up drowning. It seems strange that it could happen with something that you thought you could handle. I do that. God has to remind me a lot. Hey, bro. Yes, God calls me bro. He's like, hey, I'm here for you. I can help you. You don't have to do it on your own. It seems strange that it could happen with something that you thought you could master, something easy that you thought you could master. I don't know about you guys, but I have noticed in my own personal life that things I struggle with usually start out very small. They start out small, and then they they become unchecked. And as they become unchecked, they continue to grow. And as they continue to grow, they get bigger and bigger and bigger. And then it becomes a matter of something that you thought you could handle. And before you know it, you're into something that you absolutely can't handle on your own, Um, which is, is stupid to me because if you just would pray about it in the beginning, you know, I've said this, why do we wait to pray? Like, when stuff happens, like, seriously, why why is that like, for me, that is not the first thing I always do. Usually the first thing I do is whine about it, get mad at God, whatever the reason is. like, Why is this happening? I don't understand. Then we pray about it. Um, but it seems like the toughest times in life are not at the beginning of the struggle, at least for me, because it catches you afresh and anew. When I'm in that struggle, that's usually when I draw closest to God, um, because that's when you're the strongest. That's when you're the most equipped and ready for battle, and that is when you're ready for the storm. That is when you seek most after God. The toughest times are not at the beginning. The toughest times are at the end of the struggle when you are closest to the shore or closest to to your victory. I heard a story one time Francis Chan uh, shared about some missionaries. I can't remember exactly what country they were in, but there was an Asian country, and they were in Asia, and they got took captive. And so they were, like, captive for, like, I don't know. I can't remember. So we're just going to say six months because I can't remember. But that's not the justice. You don't need to know that to know what I'm talking about. So all they had was one Bible. Before they got separated, they split this Bible up amongst themselves. And that's all they had to read was the Bible. They read that little section of the Bible that they had. They were, you know, captive for six, eight months. Once they got released, two years later, fast forward, um, Francis had talked to a couple of them. And they had made the statement that they wished that they could go back there because that is when they were the closest to God because that's all they had. That's all they had was that you, we get so cluttered with everything in the world. God does not take top priority. And then we wonder why we struggle with things the way they are. I, I, get, I understand. I'm busy. Listen, single father, I got two girls, full-time student, and I work. So I know. There's times like, I just don't want to go to church. I don't have the girls this Sunday morning. I ain't going to church. I'm just going to sleep. I mean, I do that. But I also get checked in my spirit, hey, God could have something for you there, and you're going to be lazy and lay out, and you're not going to get whatever it is. So why is it that we struggle? It's because you're tired and weary. It's the shallow water that gets people most days. In Galatians 6 and 9, the Bible tells us, And let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. It's the shallow water where we pass out. There are some people in here today, and I believe this, that are drowning in shallow water. There are some people sitting in here today that are struggling, exactly what I'm talking about. Because you put the most important things that should have been first in your life Like, Jesus Christ second. Hey, look, I'm guilty of it, too. I ain't pointing a finger. I'm just a dude trying to get to heaven. I ain't no better than nobody else. I'm honored that I'm able to speak here today, but let's be real about it. If I wasn't up here speaking, somebody else would be. I mean, that's just, I don't, it's just truth. That's the way that Jeremy or somebody be speaking. Uh, So we get in the way of ourselves with what we want and not with what God wants. I remember having a conversation with God a long time ago, and this message has really brought me through a a lot of emotional cycles this last week. I'm going to be honest with you, because I was a youth pastor for eight years. And in that, I'm not trying to get too much into my testimony, because I don't want to be conceived as speaking ill of anybody, but I was in the youth youth ministry for eight years, and my wife decided she didn't want to be married to me anymore. So imagine what is going on in my mind, the whole doubt. Are you even called to begin with? Uh, you know, are you even supposed to be be doing this? And that I wind up having to step down, focus on my family, and God said, go to Pulaski. And I had told my pastor at the time at Hillsville, he's still a good friend of mine, I had told him, I said, I feel like my season here is is, is done with, and I'm going to be moving on. And he's like, well, where are you going? I was like, I ain't got a clue. And... Uh, Travis had actually helped me. It's, I still laugh to this day how all this happened. Travis had helped me, Gore, had helped me a lot when I went through my divorce. Uh, I've known him, because I, there again, I was a youth pastor for eight years, so we've met. <laughs> I've been at state functions and stuff. But God kind of impressed me to come here. I'm like, I don't want to go to Pulaski. I mean, nothing against you guys or nothing, but I was just like, I don't want to go to Pulaski. I just don't, I don't really, I didn't really want to leave Hillsville. Hillsville was my safe haven. The pastor there helped me get through my divorce. And I have found, and I'm sure some of you older Christians can agree with me, that when I get comfortable in a situation, it's usually when God moves me and makes me do something else. So, uh, I often, when I start getting comfortable, I'm like, oh, God's up to something. So, but, anyway, I came here, and I was like, well, I guess I'm going to be under Travis's leadership. Now, Travis didn't say nothing to me about leaving, none of that stuff. And... He left, and I'm like, okay, I guess I'm not under Travis's leadership. So, and then Pastor Jones came, and I am thankful for Pastor Jones' family. Uh, I can't say enough good things about them. Uh, he, he's been uh, somewhat of a, of a mentor to me, and I greatly appreciate them. But it just goes to show I never in a million years thought I would be here, but I just do what God tells me to do. I didn't want to go back to school. I hate going to school. I absolutely hate school. God said, go back to school. Get your bachelor's. I'm like, oh. And then this week's been trying. I got an eight-page paper due in my multicultural ministry class on top of two finals, on top of trying to do this, on top of other stuff. So I'm like, I knew something was up when all this stuff was going on um, this week. But I have found myself oftentimes in... Wanting what I want and not wanting what God wants. good example of that would be somebody that gets in debt and buys a new car. And then you whine to God that you got to make a $500, $600 car payment. And God's like, there again, this is how God talks to me. Bro, I didn't tell you to buy that car to begin with. <laughs> you know, and, and it, you didn't ask me about it. You just went and bought it. And I'm like, okay. I'm not saying he did that with my truck, but I've had similar stuff happen to me where God's like, I didn't tell you to do that. Why you, why, why'd you do it? And so, But we want what we want. It's also a journey that we remain so focused on what we are praying for in this journey through the shallow water to your blessing. We tend to focus so much on what we are praying for, whatever it is that you are praying to God to give you, new job, new car, health, whatever, whatever. What, those new Nikes, I don't know, whatever. Whatever you're praying to God, to be your thing, we tend to forget and get so focused on that thing that we're praying for that we forget about all the blessings and all the times God provided for you along the journey and along the way and all the small things. And there's lost and dying souls out there in Pulaski County that want us that need us to go out and be a witness to them, to be able to give the backpacks like we're doing today that falls right in line with pastor's vision of what we're doing. The church should be there to support this. That's what it's for. Going to church is not about going and sitting on a pew. It is about going out and serving in the community, right? Amen. So that is what God's called us to do. So I get caught up in, God, why does I want this? God, I want this. And God's like, listen, dude, there's people dying. People like, like grow up a little bit. Stop being so whiny. I got this. That's how God talks to me. Um, I get told I'm whiny a lot, but especially when I'm hungry. <laughs> so, I, But we tend to forget about God. God's like, you know, you're drowning because you let your guard down. Here's some life lessons um, I want to give you uh, to prevent drowning in shallow water. Don't let the presence of the storm indicate The absence of God. I'm going to say that again. Do not let the presence of the storm indicate the absence of God. That is where your depth comes in, in the storm, okay? That is where in the wait. In the wait is where God will mold you to what he wants you to be. Who likes waiting? Nobody likes waiting. But anything worth waiting for or anything worth anything is worth waiting for, you know? I love tacos. I love tacos. I could eat tacos every day. Taco Bell's okay, but it's nowhere near as good as when I make tacos at home. But Taco Bell's like that. If you wait, you get better things. Same way with fried chicken. KFC's great, but KFC ain't got nothing on my mama. That's just the way it is. Mac and cheese ain't got nothing on my mama. I'm just telling you right now. Um, But let me say that again. Don't let the presence of the storm indicate the absence of God, because that is where your depth comes in. It's not about what happens to you in life. It's about what you choose to do with what happens to you in life. That's where your real character is built, and that's where people really see that it's real, because believe it or not, when things occur, there are people going, I wonder what they're going to do with it. I've even been told that there's people that say certain things to me that they know it's going to get me riled just to see how I react. Just because you're a Christian, just see how you react. I'm like, what? that's the weirdest thing ever. So, but there's people like that. We tend to focus so much on what God has for us, again, that we tend to forget about the blessings that he's already provided. I encourage people all the time, keep a blessings journal. When God does something for you, write it down. You're like, well, I'll keep it. Down. I'm talking anything. God has somebody to give you 20 bucks. Write it down. Because when you're in those moments of struggling, you can look back on that and be like, I remember when God did that. I remember when God did that. Because we tend to focus on the negative and not the positive. And that's easy to do. When you're going through a visible storm, people will hand you an umbrella. And they'll give you a raft for your rescue. They'll give you something to rescue you from the storm. They'll give you a flotation device. I think it's with... I well, don't happened there. I think it's like this with... Uh, family members that pass away, spouses that pass away. Visibly, you can see that the people are hurting, visibly. They've lost a loved one. But let's rewind or fast forward to their first Christmas or their first Easter or that person's birthday, and there's nobody there because life goes on for everybody else. And that is a storm that's not visible. Some help comes because they're aware you're suffering, Yet when you're in a secret storm, nobody knows that you were in it, so there is no comfort coming from people. They do not know what you're going through, and sometimes it takes a change of perspective. Nobody knows what you're going through. And I'm going to tell you right now, the best tool of the devil is to make you feel isolated and make you feel like you are alone, make you feel like nobody is dealing with what you're dealing with in your life. That is the number one tool. Because if he's got you thinking you can't talk to anybody, you're halfway defeated. Because you're, you're just not going to talk to anybody about it. When truth of the matter is, we are all dealing with the same stuff. Stuff I deal with, there's probably 20 people in here dealing with the same thing. You know? It's not, and I I've, I've used to do this in our uh, young adult class. I mean, Jay would talk about this. It should not be weird for me to say, Jay, I'm really struggling with this today, man. I need, I need you to pray for me. That shouldn't be weird. But yet we become so prideful oftentimes, we don't want to ask people for help when we're struggling. And that's what the body of Christ is for, you know. Y'all need prayer? Text me. I don't care. I'll pray for you. Um, and I would like to think that a lot of people will feel the same way. But sometimes it takes a change of perspective. And the devil will tell you that you're alone or that you're a failure. Let me share something with you that I didn't know. Some of you may know. Uh, do you guys know? Most people in here know what a Dyson vacuum cleaner is, right? Most people in here know what that is. It's a vacuum cleaner. I just told you. So, he made the James Dyson is the creator of the Dyson vacuum cleaners, right? The guy made five thousand one hundred and twenty-seven prototypes of his vacuum before he got it right. Five thousand one hundred and twenty-seven prototypes of his vacuum before he got it right. So that tells me that there were 5,126 failures, but he learned from each one, and that is how he eventually came up with the solution. So he does not mind failure. He created a vacuum that will not lose suction when it fills up, and no, I'm not getting paid by Dyson, but let me tell you, I got a Labrador in my house and I have a massive amount of dog hair and that sucker will never stop sucking up the dog hair. I don't care how full you get it. I'm telling you. So he to quote him, what I've learned from running is that the time to push hard is when you're hurting like crazy and when you want to give up. Success is often just around the corner. And when we get in a secret storm, we start wondering where God is. In the book of Job chapter 23 Verse 8, Scripture tells us, Behold, I go forward, but he is not there. And backward, but I cannot perceive him. On the left hand, where he doth work, but I cannot behold him. He hideth himself on the right hand, that I cannot see him. How many times have you felt like that? Am I the only one that's ever felt like that? I, can, I cannot look upon him. I cannot see him there. Where is God in this storm? We buy into this notion that if God is with us, then we would have not been in the storm to begin with. If God were with us, then we would be happy. happy. Tend to think that if God's fault, when it could very well be our own. You know, you did this, which caused this. Can't blame everything on God. God ain't responsible for everything. I remember going through that when I got divorced. I was married for 10 years. And when my wife left, it was kind of like, I got mad at God on that one. I ain't going to stand here and lie. And there was a little bit of talking with God, and God's, you know, that's not God's will for anybody's life. People make decisions. Now, there's no ill will felt towards me, towards my ex-wife, and I'm not speaking bad of her. I wish her the best. I'm different season, four years removed, totally different. Some of you have been through it, some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. But... My hold is, what does that say to my kids if I just quit? Because they're watching. What does that tell them when their daddy just decides, I just ain't saying doing this no more because things aren't going my way? I don't want to do this because I ain't getting my way because my ministry is not growing. Well, it's not about you. <laughs> I'm sorry to burst your bubble, but it's not about you. It's about God. You can't see in the storm, Right? God does not appeal to your senses because your senses adds to your comfort. I've often heard it equated to the fact that oftentimes when you're in a test, you don't hear the teacher talking. And it's the same way with God. He's there. He's just choosing not to answer you. I often look at it like, let's just see what happens. Let's see. You ever do that with your kids? Like, my kids get in an argument, and I know they're probably one of them is probably about to swarp the other one or something. So I'm just like, let's just see what happens. And sometimes they make the right decision, sometimes they don't make the right decision. And a lot of times I say, I don't want to hear it, I don't care who did what, y'all figure it out. And, you know, sometimes they'll talk it through, sometimes they won't. But the struggle for me there is, I don't know if you notice this or not, but I'm not a girl. So (laughs) I am like, just get over it, which I have learned. You can't say that to an 11-year-old, 10-year-old, just get over it. It doesn't work like that. Um, so I'm just like, oh, y'all leave me alone. It's only going to get worse. So (laughs) y'all be praying for me. So you can't see in the storm because your senses add to your comfort. God will sometimes not make you comfortable, will make you not comfortable in your storm. Look at Job, like I was talking about earlier. You know, it goes to what Jeremy was saying. Uh, He's kind of tapping in. When he started talking, I'm like, you're tapping in a little bit of what I'm talking about. But... Look at Job. You think he could handle everything that happened to him? I think absolutely not. Lost his whole family. Lost all of his security. He lost everything and his health to beat all that. On top of losing his, losing his family, losing his money and his livelihood, he lost his health on top of all that. I don't think he could handle it. It's only through God that he made it to the other side. And I think that is the ultimate example of being broken. <laughs> I mean, it's bad stuff that happened to me, but you know, at least I still got my kids. He didn't have nothing. That's just crazy. So, God will sometimes make you uncomfortable in your storm. I want you to know today just because you're in the presence of the storm, the storm does not negate the presence of God. Bank on that. Let me say that again. Just because you are in the presence of the storm, the storm does not negate the presence of God. Also, neither does it indicate the absence of God in the storm, okay? He's there. In Psalms, it says, yet I am also here to tell you, if you want to know where God lives, He lives also where there is trouble. You see, you do not promise the obvious, right? Nobody promises the obvious. I never tell my kids, I promise you I'll feed you, or I'll promise you that I'll buy you clothes. You give promises when you know that the They are going to be in a situation that is going to cause them to doubt. That is when you give them promise. Something is going to show up and cause you to doubt. When I write a check to the church, it says, I promise you that the money is there, that the money is behind the check. It is there. Whenever God promises, listen to me, whenever God promises you something, he says, it may not be in your realm right now, but I promise you, I promise you. God promises you that whatever he told you that he's going to do, he is going to do it. And I can stand by I don't even know what it is. And I'm telling you right now, if God told you he's going to do it, he's going to do it. It's just plain and simple. It probably won't come the way you want it to come because I have learned in my 37 years of existence that I know nothing. When I think I got it figured out, I don't have it figured out. I've also learned that I'm not God. But I do know that you're not God either. So I just keep growing and finding out that I don't know a whole lot. And I'm sure when I'm if I live to be a hundred, I probably will say the same thing then. I don't, I don't I feel like I don't know anything. But when God promises you something, he'll deliver it. And Isaiah, God tells us, When thou passest through the waters, I will be with thee, and through the rivers, thou shalt not overflow thee. When thou walkest through the fire, thou shalt not be burned, neither shall the flame kindle upon thee. When you pass through the waters, I am going to be there with you you may not see me, you may not feel me, you may not hear me, but it does not negate the fact that God is with you. You see, the real guide back to Peter's steering wheel in the boat for Peter was not the rudder. They were losing in a storm. They were, you know, close to the shore, close to shallow water, and I think if you even read your Bible, when they dropped anchor, it was only 90 feet deep, which is pretty pretty shallow. Um, The real steering was the Lord, and that's the way it's got to be. I know It seems remedial, and you're not going to get no big philosophical message from me. But it's true, and we forget. And I think oftentimes we forget the basic things, the basic fundamentals in life. Are you steering your boat based on what you see? Think about that for a minute. In your journey of life, are you steering based on what you see? Are you steering your life based on what you see? Or what you believe. I had a conversation uh, with Jay a long time ago about, you know, God's really working in me that like faith is so much more than what I perceive it to be. Like it's so much more because it, man, it's hard to not see results and still have faith that God's going to deliver. That's hard. I mean, that's hard for me. I imagine if it's hard for me, it's hard for other people. And I just get up like oh, that's another day, God not doing what I think He should do. Me wanting God to do things the way I want him to do it. God's saying he'll be with you the storm. God is telling you before any moisture appears in the air, before anything happens, I will deliver you. Many are affliction of the righteous, but the Lord delivereth him out of them all. People, we forget, the Bible tells us that it will rain on the just and the unjust. What's that tell you? That tells you that if you're a Christian, there's stuff that's going to happen to you. Just because you go to church on Sundays and you believe in God with all your heart does not mean that your life is going to go perfect and things aren't going to happen because that's not life. How you respond to it, like I said, is where the depth comes in and where it really matters. I'm coming out of this. Amen? I want you to look at your neighbor and say, I'm coming out of this. Look at your other neighbor on the other side and say, I'm coming out of this. I just do that to wake people up. I do not have details. I do not know where the money comes from. I do not know if it's divine healing or medicine. I do not know if it's laying on the hands or it's therapy. All I know is that I'm coming out of this. The storm may blow a lot of things away from me, but it will not blow him away from me. And I've had this conversation with people. I am not turning my back on God. I don't care what happens. He's done too much for me and brought me way too far for me to say, I, I just I don't want none of this. I honestly can feel like I can get to a place in life where I can say that. I really do. God is with me in the storm. If the storm fights for you, if the storm fights you, it must fight God as well. So we have to remember that because He is with you. Don't take the presence of the storm to indicate the absence of God. God's been with me for 24 years. I got saved when I was 13. Um, Brother Dwight Fry led it on a Wednesday night class at uh, back then it was Maranatha Church of God in Withfield. That's where I grew up with County. Go Maroons! Um, just playing. I don't care. <laughs> Boy, it was crickets in here for a second. <laughs> Dang. Um, Man, y'all almost as bad as Carroll County. I'm just playing. Um, but I said that at Carroll County, and yeah, I got some hateful looks when I said that. But don't take the presence of the storm to indicate the absence of God. God's been with me for 24 years. God's been with me a long time. He has never failed me, even when I felt like he had. What would you do when what, gave, when God, gave, when what God gave you starts to fall apart? Do you give up and walk away? God did not promise the ship, He promised you. God did not promise the ship that you're riding on now. He promised you that you would get what he, what you've been praying for, what He asked for you the second. Do not preserve the temporary. I need you to need you to hear that. if you're struggling with this right now, do not preserve the temporary. Do not ask God to preserve the temporary. God promised to get you there. He did not say how. He promised to get you there. He did not say who? If you are not careful, you will put all your energy into preserving the boat that you're currently on, all your work into preserving something that God only gave you for a season. Hey, that's like Hillsville. God gave me that for a season. That was the boat I was supposed to be on. I love Pastor Gerald to death and his family, and they helped me through a lot. But God was like, your journey doesn't end there. It goes beyond that. Um... You see, all blessings are not meant to last the journey, okay? God brings people in your life to get you from A to B, and if you're not careful when you're supposed to go to point C, you'll stay in point B. You'll stop and try to preserve what you have, A, because it's comfortable, not understanding that God has something else to carry you the rest of the way. Just because the ship comes apart does not mean that you are going to come apart. Just because things around you are falling apart does not mean that you are going to fall apart with where you are. You're too close. You don't need a spirit of giving up. Now, I'm telling you, when everything happened to me at once, let's just go in a nutshell, because I really want you to understand my heart on this. I was diagnosed with a pituitary tumor, okay? Those of you who don't know, your pituitary is like between your eyes, right up next to your brain. actually touches your brain, kind of like the hangy ball on the back of your throat, but attaches to your brain. Um, so I had a tumor on that and I literally was like an emotional wreck because it messed with all my hormones. Um, I used to, and this is why I've been a little bit more understanding with my girls. I used to be just like, just get over it. But when your hormones are screwed up, that's easier said than done. So, and I can sympathize with people that have headaches every day because I had a headache every day for two years. So I I feel you. Um, but in that is where my divorce came in the middle of that. And on top of that, so the job I was at was currently not paying very much, which was okay when I was married. But now that I'm not married, I'm on single income. You know, I need to eat. You know what I'm saying? Like I I gotta, I gotta make money. I gotta be able to eat. So long story short, i just share to share a little bit of how awesome God is. So first of all, I graduate in April. April 28th or 26th, my last day I do believe, um, from Lee. Which is a great blessing because I thought I was going to have to go through summer. And that lady, when Rhonda Paris told me that on the phone, I about jumped through the roof. I was like, whoa, that's awesome. Um, my health's better. I've not had any regrowths. I'm off all medication, not on anything. And I have, God gave me a job and I've shared this, but I'm ne- I'll probably to the day I die I'll never stop sharing this. 77% pay increase. 77% pay increase. I prayed for that job for 10 years. 10 years. Now, I hope, me and Tony's had a similar conversation. I hope that whatever you're praying for it don't take 10 years. I really do. I hope you get it tomorrow. But for me, that job was 10 years. And. God has brought me, I got to a point in my life where I was like, basically come to the end of myself, and I told God, I can't do it without you. I, you've got to do it. You've got to do it with me. I don't, I don't have, I got to a spot where I had no option B. There was no option B. He was the only option to be able to pull me out of, Tony, if you come up here, please, out of what I was in. God pulled me out of it. I'm telling you. I have to tell you, sit here and tell you story after story of trusting God and being obedient and what it brings you. We do a seed offering every year at Hillsville, Church of God, when I was there. We do it every Easter, and it was kind of the, the basis of it was I'm going to give my best because God gave his best. And in that seed offering and that financial blessing, God would bless us throughout the end of the year. Now, I'm going to stand here and tell you, as a man of God that pays his tithes, if you're not paying your tithes, pay your tithes. I challenge you to pay your tithes. If you're not doing it, I promise you, it ain't going to be fun in the beginning, but it has all the benefits. I look at it like that's your insurance payment. I tell God all the time, hey, look, I'm paying my tithes. I'm broke. This is You're supposed to do this. You, I, I don't have the money for this. You're supposed to hit it time and time again. Well, we did a seed offering. I was waiting on my tax return. And I already had in my head what my predetermined amount was that I was gonna give God. Already had it dialed in. Tax return didn't come. Actually tax return that year was like a month behind. And that's that's the story in itself altogether. So I'm like, God, what am I gonna do? And God's like, give what you got. I said, God, and I live in With County, okay? I drive a Silverado because that's God's vehicle. God's a Chevrolet man. I don't know if y'all knew that or not. God's a Chevrolet man. I'm just telling you. <laughs> but I'm just telling you. I'm sorry. If you don't agree with me. I don't want to tell you. But so I'm driving 25 minutes, right? And I work in Withfield. I live actually live in Max Meadows. I actually live a Fort Chisel exit, but there's no such place as Fort Chisel because there's no Fort Chisel addresses. It's all Max Meadows. So uh, I had to drive back and forth, and God said, Give you $20. I said, Now, God. I gotta have to tank gas. I gotta go to work all week. I ain't getting paid to Friday. Twenty dollars is all I got. And that's scary. I got kids I gotta feed. I mean I had some stuff at the house and we and I was just I was scared. I said, I don't know how I'm gonna have to get my buddy who lives in Fort Chisel to drive me to work. That's all I know had the carpool. And I was telling him I get him when I get paid. So I put that twenty dollars in the offer, and I'm telling you that is all I had. That's it. I had nothing else. I didn't say anything to anybody. It was between me and God soon as service was over with, the pastor come to me and said, I feel like God wants to give you $100. I'm like, you know, he said, God told me to give you $100. I didn't say anything to him. I didn't say anything to him. Now, I've heard lots of stories about that, and you're like, oh, yeah, that's great and well. But when it hits home, I'm telling you, it has a different impact. See, because the last mile is the hardest. I've run a lot of Spartan races. I do CrossFit. Trust me, the last mile is the roughest. Every Memorial Day, we do a workout called the Murphy workout. We call it Murph. And it's in honoring the the memory of Lieutenant Michael Murphy. That's why we do it for Memorial Weekend. And essentially, it is running a mile, and then it's 100 push-ups, 200, no, 100 pull-ups, 200 push-ups, and 300 squats, and then you run another mile, all while wearing a 20-pound vest. And I've done this three years in a row, and let me tell you, that last mile is the hardest. I feel like I'm dying by that point. That workout takes close to an hour to complete. I'm like, oh, it's just push-ups, just 100 (laughs) push-ups. Okay, you try to do 100 push-ups after you just run a mile with a 20-pound pack on. It's tough. So the last mile is always the hardest for me. When I ran the Spartan Beast, it's a 13 mile race I ran it in uh, West Virginia it's actually where they do Boy Scouts of America up there that is where they do the North American Regional qualifier it is like this it is like this it's like running in Lee County brother it's a it's, it's like this it's ridiculous it's 13 miles I cramped it four that is the worst thing I've ever done in my entire life matter of fact the guys I've done it with were like you do another one with them. I'm like, no, I will never, ever, ever, unless my kids are in trouble. And the only way I'm getting through that is, is to help them is get through that. But I kept telling myself, just get around the corner. Just get around the corner. I literally had to have people carry me just about. I could not walk. I have never cramped so hard in all my life. It was awful. And we were out there for nine hours because I had to walk like so much of it. And it was literally, I'm not exaggerating. It's like this. So, the last mile is always the hardest. Do not be moved by exhaust motions. When you get tired, you can't trust how you feel. And when we are tired, is when we are in that shallow water. We've been treading water for so long, we get where we can stand up, and that's where we quit. It's because we're so close to what God has for us. You'll get false signals. The dangers of people stepping in, thinking people hate you, all this stuff floods in. And I have found in my life that when I'm closest to what God has for me is when the most resistance comes from everywhere else. If you're in your struggle and that devil ain't saying nothing to you, you probably got a little bit longer to go in your struggle. I'm just telling you. When you're anxious, it's like flying a plane and you can't trust the dials. You feel like you're going to crash even when you are safe. You're paranoid, fearful, taking the pleasure of surviving away, and it wore the smile off of your face. What do you do when survival does not feel successful? Maybe you underestimate the price that it's going to cost you. I'm saying the storm, you have to give it all. you got to be all in with it. If you're going to make it trusting God completely, Trust God in everything. Don't lose your hope in the shallows. Let's focus and finish well. Helen Keller said, "The only thing worse than blindness is having sight but no vision." Now that's coming from somebody that was both blind and mute. Oh, no, blind and deaf. The only thing worse than blindness is having sight but no vision. God has gave each of us a vision, and I'm here to tell you today, that there are people in here. Y'all stand with me, please. There are people in here. I know most of you don't know me that well, but typically when I preach, I don't really give like these specific altar calls. It's just not... I do every now and then, but it just never tends to work out this, this way. But today... And I'm telling you, if you want to stay in it, stay where you're at. Don't come up here. Don't get prayed for. If you're happy and content with where you are, just stay where you're at. But I'm telling you, God is wanting to strengthen. God's wanting to help you press through to get you to that next step. You're not going to drown in the shallows, okay? Don't drown in the shallows. If you hear nothing else I said today, don't give up at the end. You're so close to what God has for you. Don't don't quit at the end. So this morning, I kind of want to just, those people that are tired and weary and just need some prayer, not saying anybody sinned or falling off the wagon or anything like that. It's not even what I'm talking about. And if that's happened, who cares? You know, if you're too prideful to come up here and pray, I don't know what to tell you. But God's saying today that he wants to be with you to the end. So if you're struggling, I ask you to come up here this morning. If you're struggling with whatever God has for you, I know it's somebody here, and I'm not going to stand up here and beg you, but I'm tired and weary. I have to come to God. I had to come to God this week. I got tired and weary. You got two things going on at once, and it feels like it's two jobs you know you got two goals and two visions in your life I don't want somebody to lose it in the shallow water I don't want you to lose your blessing towards the end so I ask if, if, if you would come up here I'd greatly appreciate it to be able to pray with you and we'll have Pastor Jeremy and a couple of other ones come up here and pray if you're struggling this morning if you need prayer matter of fact if you need anything just come on up here um just because pastor's not here is not a reason not to come to the altar. Um, but I feel like this is for somebody. Thank you. I feel like it's for somebody this morning. Sisters, Y'all, can I get some of the elders, wives, and women to come up here and pray with them, please? Just come on up here this morning. God's calling you. Today, you can remember today, August the 11th is the day that I decided I was not going to drown in the shallows. Today is the day that I'm going to move on in life with God, trusting to have whatever it is that he has for me in my life. Just pray with these people, guys. Reach your hands up here and pray. Come, if you feel led to come up here and pray with some of them, come up here and pray with some of them. There's hurting people in the world. There's people that are hurting in the world.